0: Bomb.com.
1: Excellent. We have Zenotes. Trying to find a way to
0: like hide the label to my $8 coffee. Because the way I'm not going to promote that this latte cost me
1: $8. Don't tell anyone. Don't give them any attention. They don't deserve it. Let's
0: let's start the show. Welcome back to
1: the Happy and Holy Podcast. We are so glad you joined us.
0: (laughs) We're glad we're happy we're here. Guys, the Happy and Holy Podcast that is listed, oh, it's listed on podcast platforms, especially Google, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. She got it right this time. I got it right. Not Apple Music, Apple Podcast. Um, we especially are on YouTube. We're having a lot of fun being on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Shout out to YouTube. You have not canceled us yet. <laughs> and so we're here. Um, guys, we are so grateful for you checking out the show. Please remember to like, subscribe, and share. Mm-hmm. Share. Hit the little share, share. The YouTube, share the podcast. Most importantly, comment and let us know that you're here. We love the love. Not because we need the... Uh... <laughs> Somebody speeding by.
1: <sighs>
0: Guys, we're having a lot of fun on YouTube. Please do not forget to like, subscribe,
1: and share. Please leave a comment. We love your comments. <laughs> they absolutely make my day. Um, if you want to leave a comment, please only leave comments that will make my day.
0: Only do the ones that are going to make my day. Listen, comment on our episodes, not for the sole fact that we don't need the attention, okay? I'm content. I'm I'm good. Mm -hmm. Comment so that we know that there are more people listening that are not just the government. And so um, if you comment, we're like, hey, friend, what's up? And so also, as always, invite your friends. Hey, pretty soon we're going to go live. Um, we had the capability of going live on YouTube for about a month, because I think you were supposed to be able to reach a certain amount of hours watched. And by the grace of God, we hit that.
1: (laughs) Thank you guys so much for helping us get to this level.
0: For real, for real. So by the grace of God, we did that. And so we're going to go live sometimes. That's going to be fun. Um, we appreciate everyone who is subscribing to this channel. Wow, God. We're just we're grateful. Every time in our inbox, uh YouTube sends us like an email it's like you hit this milestone. And so we don't take anybody who's subscribing for granted. We I just we so appreciate you. So thank you guys for checking it out. Also, we're listed on the podcast channels so that you can listen to us on the go. Some people YouTube everything everywhere. Not me. I YouTube at home, but on the go, I'm in I'm in podcast mode. And so we're listed on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. Podcasts, got it right. You got it right. <laughs> Not Apple Music. So proud of you. Thank you. On Apple Podcasts, so that you can listen to us on the go. Maybe you want to take us with you on a road trip. Maybe you want to take us with you grocery shopping. Maybe you're just going for a walk, and you're like, uh, I just want to hear One and J. And here we are. In your ears. And we're grateful. And our subscriber counts. Uh, no, actually, our downloads. We've been tracking with our downloads. And that's been very fun. We're not going to release the statistics to you yet. But our demographic is very interesting. And <laughs> <laughs> and Unexpected. it's been cool. Unexpected. Mm-hmm. So. Listen, it's a pleasure and a and a joy to to do this. It's why we're doing it. If it wasn't fun, we wouldn't do it. I don't need more work. And so um we've been grateful for this adventure and we're excited for the future. And so
1: here we are. Yay. All right. So Oh.
0: We have to we have to go into our
1: tagline. I think it's time we talk about Bulgaria. (laughs) Guys, if you're new here, the
0: Happy and Holy podcast. Happy and holy is a phrase that is coined by Bulgaria's very own Georgian (laughs) banoff. One half. Of the Joy Apostles, Georgian and Winnie Coco Battle.
1: Now would be a good time to encourage yourself in the Lord.
0: Yes, here we are. We need to make our own. Like after she says that, so um, one half of the Joy Apostles <laughs> easily get distracted. One half of the Joy Apostles, Georgian. And Winnie Coco Banoff, and the phrase goes like so: "This is his." She, did it's the dramatic pauses?
1: I'm like the, the dramatic pauses were like, "Is it me? Is it?"
0: I'm screaming! It's me! I did. I, no, I'm saying the problem is me.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, did I just quote Taylor? Yes, you did. Uh, and I and on? I let it go because I wasn't going to bring her up.
0: <laughs> the tagline. <laughs> It goes like so. The world wants you happy, but not holy. Religion wants you holy, but not happy.
1: But Jesus came to make you both. You Both. And so we have a verse to go along with our tagline today. Yeah, because this is good news. We're going to be adding more verses in to establish the revelation that Georgian has blessed us with. I see it as like. Today's verse is from Ecclesiastes. Chapter nine, verse seven. Go eat your bread with joy. And drink your wine with a merry heart. For God has already accepted your works. I would love to point out a specific part of the verse. I know Wenny has a specific part of the verse that she would like to address. But I would just like to start with the first half of the verse. Go eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart. Mm. Some people... Will tell you that joy, which is different than happiness, yes, is what the Lord wants you to have—just the joy, so that you are joyful in your spirit, even That's as different. your your what they what they probably would not know to define as your soul, which is your emotions and your will mm-hmm. and your mind. While your soul should be in misery, your spirit should be happy, um, and your spirit should be in joy. And so they want to make it about spiritual joy, not uh, the experience of being joyful. That it's just a a different kind of emotion and it's not a necessarily pleasurable one. Mm. But this verse makes it clear, go eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart. Meaning that in your emotions... You would also be joyful, not just fulfilled and joyful in your spirit, but in your heart and your human emotions, Mm. you would also be happy and merry and glad. Wenny, did you have something about this verse that you would like to dive into?
0: Oh, actually, in my scroll like thoughts, maybe my original thought had left, but I can't get away from the word merry. And I can't help but think of Proverbs seventeen twenty two. How does no one think of these things? At, see, at least there's consistency. We went from Ecclesiastes to Proverbs, both of which being of the same author. Mm-hmm. That's that Solomon, y'all. That's that Solomon. And so at least he's consistent. Proverbs seventeen twenty two is a merry heart, a merry heart um, is good medicine. Does good, like a medicine it's it's medicine, um, and so you could take that word and you could you know change it out all you want, but it's a glad heart, a cheerful heart, a joyful heart. It's all the same, but that heart is like medicine, and so love the correlation there to um oh. There's also a verse in Songs of Solomon. Dude, he's so consistent. No, now I have to find it. Okay, now I have to find
1: it. Immediately find this verse. It's it's Songs of
0: Solomon 5 1, but I have to get the one where he says, Mary. Um Drink and drink, drink again until you can take no more. Drink the wine of her love. Eat in the honeycomb. Have drunk with wine, eat, oh, friends, drink. Yes, drink deeply. I've drunk my wine, eat, oh, friends, drink, drink or fill. Drink deeply of your love. That's an NLT. Whoa. Oh, lover and beloved. Eat, friends, drink, and be drunk on love. ESV. Eat and drink until you're drunk with love. Whoa. <laughs>
1: getting me down whoa (laughs) all right send some of that my way
0: (laughs) it was songs of solomon (laughs) 5-1 listen even the complete jewish says it i'm reading the whole verse now see again consistency thank you solomon you may have been problematic and had a lot of women, but you knew how to have a good time. Songs of Solomon one. my sister, my bride, I've entered into enter my garden. I'm gathering my mirror and my spices. I'm eating my honeycomb along with my honey. I'm drinking my wine as well as my milk. So eat friends, eat and drink until you're drunk with love. The message says, I went to my garden, dear friend, best lover, <laughs> and I breathed the sweet fragrance. I ate the fruit and honey. I drank the nectar and the wine. Celebrate with me, friends. Raise your glasses to life and to love. King James says, eat, oh, friends, drink ye, drink abundantly. <laughs> oh, beloved. This is King James.
1: I didn't even know that was in there. The- <laughs> Drink James a- comes through sometimes. <laughs> sometimes some verses slip right through, and they're like, "Ooh, <laughs> James didn't ruin me yet." <laughs>
0: Listen, if it would have done it, it would have put it right back with Solomon. Sol- Whoa, Songs of Solomon, <laughs> Songs of Solomon, five one. It says, "I've." gathered my myrrh with my spice i've eaten my honeycomb and my honey <sighs> okay um let's do the tpt um come all my friends and feast upon my bride all you revel- revelers of my palace feast on feast on her my loves drink and drink and drink again until you can take no more drink the wine of her love take all you desire my priest my love within her will become your feast. Tree of life, I've drunk my wine with my milk. Eat, O oh, friends, and drink. Yes, drink your fill. Oh lover and beloved, eat and drink. Yes, drink deeply of your love. I can't even believe the ESV that they, that they allowed this verse in here. The ESV says, I drank my wine with my milk. Eat, friends, drink and be drunk with love.
1: The ESV. I, I can't believe the ESV nailed that. That's that's pretty ridiculous because they usually ruin most of the verses. Right. The last one
0: I'll read is the contemporary English version that says, oh, "says My bride, my very own. I've come to my garden and enjoyed its spices. I eat my honeycomb and honey. I drink my wine and my milk." Eat and drink until you are drunk with love. Man, that got me. What was Ecclesiastes again? Read that to me again.
1: Go eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart. For God has already accepted your works.
0: He's already accepted your works. That's a reason to be holy. Mm -hmm. And happy.
1: And... When we remember that our works are actually just Jesus's works that we've received as a gift, then how much happier can we be in the new covenant? God has accepted our works, our works being what Jesus did. Yeah, he
0: is the finished work. He performed the finished work. but He was the complete fullness. Um, Crazy to think that Solomon wrote that in the OT in the OT it says your work what was that phrase
1: again God has already accepted your works already accepted your
0: works so have a good time eat and drink song song I 51 man i can't That's believe bad. that just i i know it's like one of those things where you know it's there and then you just what was i sleeping
1: what was <laughs> what was I doing? <laughs> was I spacing I out when when that part of the verse was being read? Hello,
0: <laughs> listen. All it comes down to is the idea. This happy and holy podcast culmination of the reason why we started. The reason why we're here <laughs> is the age old question: Are you happy that you're saved? And with that, in that is the reason for your happiness because of your holiness. Well, why was I saved? Because you're holy. Who made me holy? He did. Well, who saved me? He did. Why am I happy? (laughs) Back to square one.
1: (laughs) Rinse and repeat. Rinse
0: and repeat. Fantastic. Because... Um, with that, we will go to, did you hear So sweet. Um, uh, I'm going to, we're going to have fun today. Hey, today we're getting back to basics. Okay. Mm -hmm. We're going to have fun, but you know, it's not like we've been slacking, but We just want to bring back some of the goodies. I mean, what, we're like nine, ten episodes in, and now we have to already have to bring back
1: the classics, (laughs) the happy and holy classics. We
0: already have classics that we have to bring back, too. (laughs) Um, It's just been a joy to be on this ride with you, Jay. It's it's a joy.
1: It's a joy to live life with you and a joy (laughs) to force everybody to listen to our conversations.
0: And it's great. And we love having you here. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, let's get into did you hear. Okay. Let's get into it. All right. So, Jamie. Yeah. Did you hear. Tell me.
1: Religion
0: is the miracle
1: drug. I've been saying the Bible is drugs for a long time, and it is about time that this is verified with research. Well,
0: according to a 2017 Harvard study um, connected with Oxford University Press, the study was on spirituality and religion within the culture of medicine. And here's the here's my favorite part of that title. It says from evidence to practice. Wow. So did
1: they study um, a sample of different religions or did they focus what was the demographic they didn't
0: they definitely did study like uh protestant catholicism um you know there wasn't mention of a lot of other religions but it was like a you know it's not like the solely focused on christianity or catholicism but it was like interesting to me the the idea of how they got to this how this was like the sum total of their studies. Um, It says that they, uh, they needed to study the relationship between religion and health, the principal purpose of it, just to provide the the overview of what does it have to do with relationships, um, health, healing, wholeness, like literally those are the words that they were using in their study. And so I'll read a short excerpt where it says the um, relating different forms of religion and participation. So they're studying not only just the religion, but what people look like who have been participating in that religion. It says, especially religious service attendance and in correlating that to various health outcomes. So um, it also considers the theology and the religious traditions and um interviews intervention of religious communities community, religious communities that promote health, consider relations within literature on he- on religion and health, and theologically, where that plays into some traditions. So in that, they discuss where is the convergence between religion and health, and where is their tension. Um, what does it, how does it affect one's outlook in, um, marriage? It studied, it studied family structure, it studied, um, culture within cities that predominantly were reigned by said religion. And so that was pretty fun that it's something that had been studied and how it even the idea that they wanted to study it down to the nuclear family and see how does a family. And I'm wondering like, what is the what little variables that they plug in? Like, so did you guys like stay with like a family for a week and you're just like, how do you guys function? Yeah. And um, right. Like, I'd
1: love to know how they actually got their source information. Right.
0: Yeah. So because of that, like um, the combination of theologians and scientists um, have both came to a convergence believing that religion can have an impact on human beings, both mentally and physically. And um, how it plays into cultural factors, which is very important, and how that structure and meaning affects behaviors, value systems, and experiences. Um, also, as far as physically, but also mentally, it plays into how it addresses, how spiritual needs addresses patients. Um, well, I'll, I'll, I'll rephrase it. It also addresses, since it's talking about mentally, it addresses mental illness and how the spiritual needs of the patient may enhance recovery from said mental illness. Um, Some studies have shown that the health outcomes of those who are, I'm going to air quote here, um, practicing religion. Some of the studies have shown that it has included greater uh, longevity, coping skills, the health related, like quality of life has improved those who are within the, the realms of Um, religion. And so you have seen this is scientifically has been proven that you have seen within these communities, the decretion of anxiety, depression, suicide, and then how it plays into people who may have been diagnosed with terminal illness.
1: Wow. Crazy. So did they say what cities they studied as far as what um effect religion had in a place.
0: I would love to see. I didn't dive that deep into it. Um oh that would lo- that would be interesting to see. Um also they felt like the word religion and spirituality had correlated. So people who were like, because you know if you ask a Christian, especially those who are um if you ask a Christian especially those that are like Religion is like a curse word. Some people will tell you like, well, I'm not religious. i just, I just follow Christ or I just love Jesus. But, you know, when you fill out a form of some sort and they ask you what religion do you practice? Like no one is, there's no box that says follower of Christ. You, mm-hmm. Under religion, you pick Christianity. And so like when we list this podcast and I pick that it's a religion and spirituality, you have to pick that there's no lover of christ or anything like that so the idea that interchangeably is the word religion and spirituality mm-hmm. um so it's, it's 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 interesting so with that said the lack of knowledge linking um i have to look into one what were the predominant i know that it it was middle east and um, america were like the two big like hot spots for their studies so I would love to see like where in America mm-hmm. um, I know predominantly they, cause they mentioned a lot of Catholicism, Protestant Christianity. Like they mentioned that, but it's interesting that they talked about middle East, but they never said anything like, you know.
1: And it's um, interesting too, if they were exploring very Catholic cities, um, the two places I would think of as far as Catholicism would be Baltimore Um, because Maryland is started as a Catholic state Mm -hmm. um, and the, I can't remember who initially formed that state, but the the man who kind of claimed that land did it for Queen Mary. And so that uh, historically Maryland has been a Catholic place and uh, Boston, Massachusetts, Massachusetts did start out um, founded by Puritans, but then, um, 18 1900s a lot of Irish and Italian immigrants moved in. It's still very Irish Italian. so you have the Irish Catholics and the Italian Catholics and many people in Boston are nominal Catholics if you actually talk to people from Boston and are not just um, there for because of schools and just stayed but Massachusetts I would say uh, within that city area is very much Italian Catholic primarily. right. No'. It's mom. And, and then parts of uh, of New York City, I would love to see as well for like the um Italian Catholic parts because there's a lot of strong heritage. And it's almost like there's such a correlation, I feel in the almost like same same culture, different fonts when it comes to um New York, like, say, Staten Islander Queens, Italian Catholics, and New York Jews. They're very, very proud of their heritage. They're very family-oriented. They're very loyal. And they're very um, dedicated to keeping certain holidays and doing it with family, doing it the same way. And it's really beautiful to see them really honoring those Catholic holidays that I have not heard of and and mean practically nothing to me. And then see the excitement they have with their childhood memories and these Orthodox celebrations.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think that New York for me also is one of the best representations for America as far as a Judeo Christian society. And so I could see them studying it within New York. Mm -hmm. Um, That would be really fun. I would love to. Yeah. I'll probably go back into that article and read some more on it. Um, The idea that. Scientifically being able to prove that a belief like religion um, would be something considered a miracle drug because it has been shown to boost mental health, compassion, forgiveness, gratefulness, all qualities that are strongly associated with people who believe in God. Mm-hmm. So even saying that practicing these qualities is thought to be exo- associated with like decreasing stress I'll read an excerpt from the article. It says, interestingly, although religion and spirituality, spirituality correlate to an external, external locus of control. I'm not sure if that's, maybe I'm missing the word locus. Maybe I don't know what that means. Um, cause there's an, I think maybe a focus. It means to say interesting. I found a typo in Harvard. Anyway. Okay. Um, This is is what we've been saying. Harvard ain't that smart. It ain't that smart. Um, So it says, most research concludes that those who are religious have a strong internal sense of control, almost like a peace. Um, It says that as they ask God for guidance, they feel a sense of control over their situation, helping them cope with depression and anxiety. Fear that one is being punished or abandoned by God in in the face of medical problems exist for some. This is why theology matters. Because there are people who still even teach this. The idea that, um, well, because you have wronged God, because you have sinned and you have fallen short by him, whatever medical problem you may have, whatever outcome you may have, whatever problem you're facing is an effect of your sin. And so um, in this, even studying this, okay? So it's important what you believe. And I will tell you till kingdom comes that we we have been as a body of Christ misaligned for decades, centuries. We have been beings that have been misaligned, um, letting our soul lead our spirit and it damages our body because your flesh is a terrible discerner. Your flesh is a terrible pilot, terrible pilot should be letting your spirit lead your soul so that it can heal your body. Because once you have the renewed mind, which you can only do by the spirit, your renewed mind, which is your soul, um, your mind, your will, your emotions, then the outcome takes effect in your body. That glorification happening in your body. And so um, I went on a tangent. So let me finish this article. It fear that one is being punished or abandoned by God in the face of medical problems exists for some. These negative thoughts associated with religion can be linked to higher rates of depression and lower quality of life. Additional stresses in these cases can ar- also be harmful to mental health.
1: Mm-hmm. Isn't that crazy? And not only is this bad doctrine uh bad for health but it's also bad for the church because that's why a lot of people have church hurt and it's also why culture thinks god hates them and the church hates them yes yeah and, and it's because, crazy
0: cuz we we experience those people
1: and and frankly for those people to conclude that makes a lot of sense because oh if the people who are religious and love god believe god hates them then how much more would he hate someone who doesn't know him or follow him? Literally. Why Why would we be convincing to the world? It, and it's wild to me that people want to showcase a God of condemnation, especially when there is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. That's Romans 8.1. And they want to showcase that. And then they're like, I don't know why. It's just so hard. These people just don't. They don't want to believe. Why won't they come to church with me? Because you're miserable. To- I Why can be miserable listen- without church. Yeah, they. I think too. Like, there's an issue when a lot of things that Christians do and believe that leaves them their life in a way that doesn't have fruit, and Correct. so people look for evidence of what what is the effect of a belief or a lifestyle or of a way of doing things? And if the effect is a fruit that they don't want, then why would they be tempted to listen or follow or investigate what someone is doing? Correct.
0: Yeah. Just remember that the Christ in you is the hope of glory. It's not the proof of glory. And so for people to connect with, like, the fruit, as you're talking about, Jamie, like, that's what people are connecting to. Wow, there's hope. Wow, this person is is joyful. This person is loving. All of that, all of the actions that you, all of the fruit that you're producing leads them to hope. Wow, I I hope that plays out in my own life. I hope that happens to my own family. I hope that happens in my marriage. The Christ in you. And so, not the proof. Mm -hmm. it's the hope and so um i'll just wrap up on this article it just also talks about how people with greater depression and anxiety the in this study okay in the scientific study from harvard written by oxford press it points to the fact that people with greater depression and anxiety have more physical health problems so that what's the outcome of that is that they have a lower quality of life and a shorter life expectancy and they're studying they're studying religion in that and seeing this Mm -hmm. and so um it's important because something about caring for one's physical body is very emphasized in faith um when we talk about like everybody's like oh because unfortunately everybody always points to your body being a temple they only talk about that when you're having sex But no one talks about that when you're eating ho-hos in your bed at 2 a.m. Your body is a temple. Maybe sometimes it's like a big thing at gyms. But really, they only point to that when they're talking about sex. Like, you're a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. Just remember your your body is a temple of the Lord. Yeah, but also how you stir your body is important because it's a temple. Because it's the only one you got. And so caring for one's body is emphasized in many faiths. That, of course, being in Christianity and so it being in that construct, that community that reminds you that the the like the uh, care that you have for your physical body as much as you should have for your soul. Um, I've talked about stewardship of your soul, like it's your responsibility to steward your soul, just like it's your responsibility to steward your body. And so the idea just leads many individuals to actually taking care of their body. Um, those religions also harp on the drinking and drugs and all our stuff, but they abstain from it. Sometimes, you know, people are just like, Oh man, you shouldn't be drinking da da. our stuff. Oh, a glass of wine. I can't have wine. I don't drink. I don't drink beer. And this is when we start getting very legalistic. But the only reason why people tell you like, Hey, don't be an alcoholic. Don't be a drug addict. Of course, it's destructive, um, to your soul and your body. <laughs> and so, all of that within the construct of religion, they're telling you these things. Outside of it, you're you're like a sitting duck. Um, it, inside of it, <laughs> inside the kingdom, and of course, we haven't even pointed out like what religion particularly are they talking about, right? Because they studied several. But um, it's just interesting to see that a study can be like, hey, now I'm making up my own words here. But, hey, it's better for you to be within the kingdom than out of it, because we see all the benefits of it being inside of the kingdom where you are being encouraged and um, where you're being encouraged and discipled and trained and loved and healthy and happy and happy. So it's interesting. And so um, there's even a link, I think, to the actual article, which is like 140 something pages, which is why I never saw exactly what countries and because I wasn't reading all that. But as I
1: was skimming through, I'm like, (laughs) like, okay, Harvard, we get it. (laughs) Could you have made like a diagram or like a chart with the cities and the people and your sample sizes? But no. You had to do a dissertation on it because you're Harvard because you think that makes you better. Listen,
0: we're artists here. We don't have time for your words. Give us pictures. (laughs) Give us pie charts.
1: And we're good. Yes. Percentages. Give us statistics.
0: (laughs) Well, speaking of trying to have a good time. Um, Speaking of drugs, Jamie. Yeah. Did you hear... Joe Biden is the model for being a good dad. The model
1: the for model. being a good father. <laughs> He's not even a model for a good human right now. Can't even string words together to make a sentence.
0: Well, in that he does a lot of defending his his son in those broken sentences. Um the views Anna Navarro says that the Hunter Biden scandal is a story of
1: a father's love. They really oh, they, they really stretched it that like they need a chiropractor after that stretch. Get it? That is Wild. Like I've <laughs> never heard any story being spun so far that it like has no basis in reality. I want to meet the PR person behind that decision. Cause that is wild.
0: Maybe she's getting a check from Hunter. So she likes to pay obviously people off. Obviously psychotic. Well, she's either psychotic or she's rich. Because since Hunter likes to pay people off, the uh the boosting inch maybe she is the pr maybe she's getting text messages from hunter joe biden the model for a good dad
1: okay um what and and the reasoning was for what of his, what of his actions is good fathering
0: just how he's been defending hunter publicly saying you know my son's done nothing wrong and
1: whatever, he's done nothing wrong it. show us the laptop
0: show us the laptop cough it up
1: I'm sure there's nothing nothing bad on there just just give us the hard drive
0: give us your your innocent son's hard drive let us see it actually just give us his phone records give us
1: the phone records let us see it if there's nothing to hide, I mean, hey, they went after Trump and they went after him and got all of his records and stuff and they couldn't find anything. So, hey, if it worked for Trump, it'll work for you.
0: It'll work for you. Also. <laughs> it's kind of repulsing to hear somebody say that Joe Biden's actions is the story of a father's love. Um, if anything, maybe he's been the model for gentle parenting. Because clearly, Hunter was not raised in the 90s.
1: Mm. Yeah, he has obviously a lot of permissive parenting. I don't know if that's how he was raised, but it's that's how he's being treated now. Permissive parenting is very dangerous, and we should talk about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it seems loving, and it seems really kind, but actually it is enabling uh, into destructive behavior. And it prevents children from learning any form of self-control or delayed gratification. And when kids don't have delayed gratification, they never have any motivation to work for something that takes time to see the fruit mm-hmm. of. Um, and I, I've also seen um, enabling activity in parents that makes a child stunted in their maturing. And you can see people who have been coddled, or like it's like you know, talking to a five year old in like a 50 year old's body. They're totally incapable of doing anything for themselves. And so um, I think in this case, it's pretty clear that Joe is enabling his son into, at this point, um, evil, violent, illegal behavior.
0: I mean, Hunter Biden's text messages can can walk us right into World War Three. So no. let's try. I don't know, and I I'll calm down because I have things, but I I just don't understand. How do we live in this? I just feel like okay. Maybe I'll just say this. I feel like we're watching someone's villain arc, and this is this is like a legit movie where somebody's evil son is like trying to start a world war. And I'm waiting for Tony Stark to just fly by my window in his Iron Man suit. And I'd be like, (laughs) okay, now I understand what's been happening. Like Mm -hmm. we're legit in a movie. Like
1: I was about to say, what installment of Batman is this?
0: Honestly, this can't be real, but it is. I mean, this man is texting China and he's like telling people I'm going to call my dad. Like, I I don't understand. Uh, So this idea of him being uh, Joe being this whole whole story with Hunter and Joe being a great father, the story of the father's love, not buying it. I know what good dads look like.
1: If people actually buy this, they are dumber than I thought was possible. If they I'm look the story, and they're like moved, and they're like, "Oh my god, he's just being such a good protective dad." Like, how dumb do you have to be and still breathe?
0: Right. Um, I'm I'm beginning to think that the views, producers, and directors are just AI bots, and these women are just getting paid. They're
1: run by robots. That's yeah, plausible. That is an AI written article. That is an AI possible like face on a, on a body. That's actually completely plausible. If I was to ask
0: chat GBT right now, what's the story with Hunter Biden? It would tell me.
1: Should we? <laughs> Should we? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, wait. I think this is a great idea. Alright, let's do it. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask ChatGPT what's the story. Yeah. In 2019, there were allegations made against Hunter Biden regarding his business activities in Ukraine while his father was serving as vice president under the Obama administration. These allegations led to an impeachment inquiry against President Donald Trump, who was accused of pressuring Ukraine to investigate the Bidens. However, no evidence of any wrongdoing by Hunter Biden was found, and the impeachment effort ultimately did not result in the removal of President Trump from office. Why is, why are they bringing Trump into this? They're like literally trying to blame him for, unbelievable. What I have is
0: the whole, okay, first of all, business dealings with Ukraine and China. It's crazy. The chat GPT is like, I don't have any knowledge beyond 2021, but Ukraine and China. Hmm. Um. However, it's important to know that these controversies are highly politically charged and different perspectives and narratives exist regarding Hunter Biden. Since my knowledge is not up to date beyond September 2021, I cannot provide information on any developing events involving Hunter Biden. And that may have occurred after that time because I asked him specifically about some things. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, um. Then ChatGPT says, I, re- I recommend checking reliable news sources or conducting an online search for the latest information on Hunter Biden to get the most current, up-to-date <laughs> news on any related controvers- controversies.
1: Did uh, any of your answers go into his firm, uh, BHR Partners? No. This is so – I would love for you to hear the wording on this because this is very like saying (laughs) a lot without saying anything. Regarding Hunter Biden's business dealings in China, it has been reported that he was involved with a private equity firm called BHR Partners, which he joined in 2013. There have been allegations of potential conflicts of interest and undue influence due to his family connections. However, it's important to note that these allegations have been disputed and there is no concrete evidence of any illegal activities. Okay, this little phrasing here, potential conflicts of interest and undue influence due to his family connections, that means nothing. No, that j- they just said a lot of words for with n- absolutely nothing in them.
0: No, uh, that's pretty much what the news pumps out on him anyway. You, we have to go to like civilian based journalism if we want any like actual news on Hunter. And so it's crazy, but what that has proven to me, Chat GPT has influence over the writers at the View. That's what that proves to me.
1: Absolutely. You can't,
0: pr- you can't prove you can The writers at the to view
1: are for chat GPT robots who chat with each other.
0: Yes. In a <laughs> in a never-ending circle. hmm According to 2021. So I don't know. And in Navarro's like a uh, little take on that is kind of repulsing. Um, only because I, I know what a good dad looks like and um he ain't in if he was half as good of a father as he's being put out to be then he would be a quarter of a good as a president as he's trying to be, but it's not happening. And so I would not be buying into that. Yeah. I don't know what father would be the vessel or, or the scapegoat of someone who's involved with human trafficking and prostitution rings. The there's evidence alone that the Biden family was profiting over profiting off of a human trafficking ring. Um, of course, listen to me, YouTube. This isn't allegations coming solely from me to you. Um this stuff is documented. This stuff is in articles that he's being mentioned, uh, the trafficking that was going on. He was drug trafficking and human trafficking, um, doing it in in foreign countries like Russia and Ukraine. This is what I'm saying. This man was gonna walk us into World War Three. If the kid if if like what what are we in twenty twenty-three? In 2045, if the kids were to look back at the history books, and God forbid we ever step into World War III, he will be the main culprit. Mm -hmm. As Hitler was for World War II, we would have a picture of Hunter Biden. All because he's a finance bro who never had a dad who spanked him.
1: Yep, pretty much. uh, He has also been pretty bad at covering up his... Tracks and his proclivities. I think he's probably, in the sense that I get, he's really messy and he's just lucky that his family kind of picks up after him. Yeah.
0: Can't. And um as you said, well, he leaves like a trail wherever he goes because they have records of Hunter. B- Again, this is not accusatory, like, oh, I heard. Like, this is documented stuff that they have records that they have shown that Hunter Biden his corporate, his corporate, like you were talking about the firms, his corporate account paid for ex um, escort services that have been tied to human trafficking because trafficking, because where are they mostly getting the girls for these escort services? They mm-hmm. are trafficking these girls from other countries, bringing them here. In, and then they're like, Hey, we paid for this girl. Mm-hmm. And that's why my next, did you hear Tell is me. highlighting this good news.
1: We love Jamie. Good news.
0: We love good news. Did you hear that there is a exciting movie coming out? I have heard. Please go on. This movie, the name of it is "The Sound of Freedom." Yeah, it's a super exciting movie. I think we have a friend who will who is gonna plug it. So um, let's invite our friend out and we'll have him plug it. And then we will chat about the movie. One of the most disturbing problems in our world today is human trafficking and particularly the trafficking of children. Our future is our children. Now the first step in eradicating this crime is awareness. Go see sound of freedom.
1: For those who don't know, that was the voice of John Smith from Pocahontas. <laughs> and his voice still melts me like butter.
0: <sighs> Tell them who it really was, Jamie.
1: I don't know how they got John Smith to do this one.
0: How could it be? <laughs> well, so for those who can't see, since Jamie won't tell tell the listening crew, that was Mel Gibson. <laughs> Not everybody does watch Pocahontas um, or knows the voices, but that was our friend. Our friend. Mel Gibson, who um, was promoting, if you could even call it that, he was really plugging and just basically like, they, it sounded like there was no room for negotiation he was just like go see sound of freedom so sound of freedom tells the story of tim ballard um i love this man's story and i love that they're making a movie out of it because it's a long time coming i've been following tim ballard since being connected with um ministries like global celebration that put into uh they put faith into action and they see a wrong and they want to make the wrong things right Um, Some of the things that even Global Celebration does is like only Jesus can do this through these people. And so um, the founders of Global Celebration, Georgina and Winnie Banoff, the Joy Apostles we mentioned earlier, um, their life's mission is to see children rescued from being trafficked and children um, being rescued from being forced to be child soldiers. And so getting into the story, because... You know, it was never on my radar. So being connected to people like Global Celebration, whose life mission is to just put a smile back on a child's face. And I I was eating up all this, all this information about human trafficking and particularly child trafficking, because that's the lowest of the low you can go. And um, hence, why would anybody try to correlate anything that Joe Biden does for his son as a loving father because a loving father would put his son who is caught up in all of that straight into jail. Ministries like Global Celebration are doing wondrous works rescuing children, which led me to find out about Tim Ballard. So Tim Ballard is a um at the time he was a US federal agent who like re- he like was rescuing children, particularly this story, this movie is about him rescuing a young boy from child traffickers in Colombia. So um, after he rescued the boy, Tim thought his job was done. And he's like, oh, this is amazing. We did our thing. Like, right, Let's go home boys. But then he learns that the boy has a sister and she's being held captive by these criminals who are looking to exploit her. So again, as we talk about the escort services and all that stuff, like criminals kidnap young girls and they exploit them, particularly in this movie, Tim is focused on rescuing this girl who's being exploited for profit and it, it's just distro- destroying her life. And so um, the movie kind of talks about he's torn between his work and his conscience because his work is like, I need to move on. This mission's done. I'm following orders like a good soldier. But his conscience is like, would you want this happening to your own daughter? So. Ballard just decides he's going to go. He's going to go through hell or high water and rescue this girl. And so he ends up quitting his job because what, whatever. I haven't seen the movie yet, but I know of his story. But he quits his job because, like, again, good soldiers follow orders. And this was not part of the job. And so he's like, fine, I quit. So he goes to Columbia. He, you know, faces the jungle. And he risks his life to save this girl. Hence the sound of freedom. And so um, I'm, I can't wait to see how Angel Studios like depicts this visually. But it's an amazing story that the whole focus of this movie is to highlight, to bring to light, to exploit child trafficking for what it is. Um, that's why it's the center of the narrative. Because people need to know that child trafficking is real and it happens. It happens overseas, and it happens in our very own country for those who reside in America. And some of the very people that you love who are in Hollywood, a lot of the people that you love who are maybe in sports, a lot of the people that you love who are in media are caught up in these child trafficking rings where they are kidnapping children, exploiting children. This is why when it came to um, LGBT and everything that was happening, we were asking for the defense of like preserving the purity of children because there is something really sick and sinister about the community um, that they had a really sick satiation for children and why. And so the sound of freedom, anyway, the sound of freedom explores the injustice of child trafficking, but you're seeing it all through the eyes of Tim Ballard. He's also on social media if you want to follow him and get to know his story. Um, And he rescues the children. And so Tim Ballard, if again, if you follow him on social media, you'll see that he's still continuing to do this work, not just in Colombia, but all over the world, as well as he's he's adopting children. Because, again, um, children are a gift and they're meant to just have the freedom to be as pure as they can be for as long as they want to be. And, um, when you take that, when you take that choice out of their hands, because you want to exploit them for your own profit and, um, your own gain, there is something, um, there's something really sick about it. And there is something that, um, I just wouldn't want to be you. If any time that Jesus was very blunt with, um, I would say violence, if you would even call it that, (laughs) But any time Jesus was very blunt about putting his hands on somebody else, it was when he talked about children and what to do to someone who exploits a child. And he said he went very. New York city and mafia, it would be better for you. He didn't even say this is what you would do to somebody who exploits children. He said, it actually would be better for you to just tie a millstone around your neck and throw yourself to the bottom of the sea, which is in case you haven't picked up in case you haven't caught on. That's where the mafia got it from. Um, But um, yeah, it's just the idea, like go see the movie because um, there's a lot of things that need to be brought to light as far as what it looks like with child trafficking, particularly. I mean, human trafficking is terrible, um, but child trafficking is the lowest of the low. And when you have people like Tim Ballard who are fighting this fight, who he does it like, you know, in the beginning he was doing it through his own funds and now he goes all over the world and he has people who who's so into that. And there's also you know, ministries like Global Celebration that you could sow into that are helping to rescue children to just put a smile back on their face and put them in a happy and healthy home. And so um, Sound of Freedom, you heard
1: Mel, go see it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's really important to support films like this because even if you understand that, the unfortunate truth is there is human trafficking happening in this country um, among groups of people who are considered elite in our culture. Even if you know that and uh, you maybe don't need to see the film, I would encourage you to see it anyway, because I think it's very important to let the people know Who are doing this, that it's not just conspiracy theorists, which is a term that was created by the CIA. So I almost don't even want to use that term. Um, but, um, Am I allowed to say CIA? I know some people people don't even say CIA. I said it like 10 times. (laughs) I'm going to do an alternate clip if we don't – just so we can decide if we want to use the actual term. Um, Conspiracy theorist is a term that was created by the C underscore A. So it's not just (laughs) people who are under the radar, who are – You on DuckDuckGo who believe this, it's people who are in culture and just everyday people. This is a a large amount of people that are seeing the truth here. Mm -hmm. And so we need to remind the people that think they're getting away with this, that there are actually a lot of people who know what they're up to and we are not okay with it. They think that our country is far more morally bankrupt than it is. And they're pushing that narrative as well. So the people who do have values feel discouraged and they feel like what's the point of fighting, but really those of us who are against this outnumber those who are for it. And even if we didn't us and the Lord is still a majority. Yeah. So, I think it's really important to show up and show out for this film so that we can communicate to the world around us that this is something we want more uh, documentation of. This is something that we want to see gone. And this is something that, if necessary, we will fight to get rid of it. So... I would definitely encourage everyone who is physically able to get to at least one showing and bring a friend or um, pay forward for a ticket for someone to see this film. I would definitely encourage you to do it because the the narrative that they have been feeding us is a lie and they need to know that we're not buying it. Yeah.
0: And, you know, um actors like Jim Caviezel who is in the movie he's actually playing Tim Ballard Jim Caviezel if the name is familiar he also played Jesus Christ in The Passion of Christ and he believes that the movie is going to empower people with knowledge with knowledge and understanding just how sick the world is as far as fighting human trafficking worldwide and perhaps will bring some more whistleblowers i think that's like a buzzword now online but it will bring forth some more whistleblowers who may have been afraid to speak, but there's something about seeing it visually that may stir something up in the whistleblower um, to speak up. And so Caviezel and actually his co-star in the movie, Eduardo, I, I don't know his last name, but the actor Eduardo is considering um, to run for presidential bid bid he's considering to run for president in Mexico. And so that's also like interesting. And I don't know, just something in him was just like, we have to do something about it. But all that to say is that the reason I mentioned Eduardo is because both actors who are known to be Catholic, very vocally pro-life. I think even Jim Caviezel, I think is adopting children or has adopted, Um, but they're stressing the connection between, sex trafficking, child trafficking, human trafficking, and pornography. And how that also plays into open borders, another buzzword, and abortion, another buzzword. And so Jim and his boy, his co-star, are saying, hey, this is all connected. So to be passionate about one is to be passionate about all of them because this is why, um, if you've noticed the, the loud narrative is the compassionate ones want the borders open. The compassionate ones want to make pro choice. The compassionate ones are even trying to um, legitimize and uh, make legal sex work. And so like, just think about all the things that are connected and then what the opposing sound is, is like, Hey, if we eliminate this, then it won't make way for everything else. And so um, people like Jim and Tim Ballard and Eduardo and many others, even Ashton Kutcher, like how he got fired up years ago, these people are saying like, if you eliminate this issue, then we won't have room for all the other things. And so the hope is that the movie will shake viewers from maybe from being apathetic, shake the viewers from being apathetic and then, stepping into action to aid the victims of human trafficking across the globe, which is why I mentioned global celebration. That is a very, it's an amazing ministry to step into because that goes from apathy into action. And with, um, you know, global celebration is tied into missions. Missions is a big part of it. And so with that, when you feel helpless and you're like, I just saw this movie, what do I do? Where do I go? You can partner with ministries like that. And what happens with missions is you either sew or you go. And Tim Ballard was somebody who was like, I'm going to go. And maybe Jim Caviezel, you're like you're wondering, I'm sure he gives a lot of physical cash, but maybe you're wondering like what are other ways to sew? I feel like Jim being an actor in this movie is him sewing because like his name carries a lot of weight. People are going to see the movie because his name carries a lot of weight. Right. Um Plus, I think he also agreed to do the movie because this is something he's very passionate about. But he's sowing his name, his time, his talent. You know, it was very smart of Angel Studios to get an actor, like a very, because we know how Christian movies are. And so it was very wise of them to get like a well-known actor with a good repertoire. And so, um, people are just doing what they're, what they're trying to do to step in and make sure that this is going to have effect. And so movie it just it's going to be powerful because it's going to sink right into your heart and you're going to be like what can I do what what has been done what needs to be do I'm telling you it's going to it's going to light a fire it's going to light a fire under your ass mm-hmm. and so go and see the movie Um, as Jamie said go you go by yourself some people are like lone movie movie um theater goers some people like the compatibility <laughs> some people like the companionship go and bring a friend um or if you don't want to go some people are like i just can't i just uh um pay for someone else to go who wants to go Mm -hmm. pay for a group pay for a church group to go or something but whatever you do go because it's not going to help you sticking your head in the sand and just pretending it's not there Mm -hmm. it's not going to do any child any justice and so I'm grateful for Jim Caviezel doing his thing. Of course, Tim, but even Jim putting his career on a line, you know, I think he's said many a times that like, he does not get the same calls. Mel Gibson also like with the C underscore a, like he, the man's blacklisted. Mm-hmm. And so, and they also deemed him to be crazy just like they did with Kanye. So um, just saying, um Jim Caviezel I'm super shout outs for him, and I hope that he gets all the deals in the world after after this movie. And I'm sure he did an excellent job acting. So mm-hmm. we're grateful for Jim Caviezel. Um, who for me I'm gonna tell my kids that's the man who played Jesus. <laughs> Jim Jim Cavisel. Um, I don't know about this Jonathan Roomy guy. My kids won't even know he exists, but I'm going to tell my kids, the man who played Jesus on the big screen.
1: That was Jim. And on the small screen, it was that guy from the Book of John film. (laughs) I didn't even see that. I'm going to tell my kids, that's the guy who
0: played Lonnie in freaking Jesus (gasps) Revolution. That's what I'm going to tell my kids. Jonathan Rumi who? I actually think he did a better job being um, Lonnie Frisbee Than he is being Jesus.
1: I agree. I think he did a a good job being Lonnie. Um, And I I think, unfortunately, the casting was very much about getting a well-known person in there to increase the amount of people who would go to the film. And also, I think, unfortunately, that was an effective strategy. Mm. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, When you look at the cast, the well-knowns would be Jonathan and Kelsey Grammer. Yeah. And I think as far as Christians currently, the Jonathan Rumi poll would be quite a bit more than than Kelsey.
0: It was wise. I'm going to give him that. It was wise to Mm -hmm. to get Jonathan. Um,
1: And he did and he did a good job with it.
0: I agree. Yeah. I think, like I said, he was more much more tolerable as Lonnie than he was than he is playing Jesus.
1: So. My biggest issue with the casting in that film was the woman who who played Catherine Coleman because she didn't do nearly as good of an impression of Catherine as I do. And I'm just a little bit confused as to why I wasn't called after all the rousing performances I have done as Catherine in dressing rooms at stores all over New York city. And every time I see a dress that looks even slightly seventies with a mock neck uh, neckline and short or long sleeves. I always try it on. I always do an impression of Catherine Coleman. I always force everybody in the dressing room to listen, ask them if I sound like her. They say, I don't know who that is. And then I continue with the impression. So I'm just not sure why I'm being disrespected like this and being overlooked with this casting decision.
0: The disrespect is potent. Potent. (laughs) That's my Jesus. Jim Caviezel.
1: Yeah, let's Um, let's really talk about how absolutely brilliantly he he portrayed Jesus in Passion of the Christ because he did his lines in Aramaic. Dude, he had had to learn Aramaic for the film. The Father's Prayer in Aramaic. Mm -hmm. How he
0: did it it was just gorgeous. Yeah, absolutely
1: filled with the glory of God. If you ever get the chance to hear a recording of him saying the Father's Prayer in Aramaic, it is absolutely filled with the presence of Jesus.
0: Mm-hmm. It's Yeah, it's so special. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't
1: know about that other guy, but
0: I just know a gym. Mm-hmm. That was my cup of tea. And I also think there was maybe some I don't know. You know, like we talked about before with the chosen, how like the set matters and your team matters. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, Mel did this because this was like a dream for him. And he's like, this story needs to be told and it needs to be on the big screen. And it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, still waiting for part two, but um, I really enjoyed just even their stories, even Jim talking about his relationship with Christ post the movie. And so it's just beautiful. And I don't know. I don't get that same pull from The Chosen. I know there are a lot of friends. I have a lot of friends and family who just love The Chosen and love it. Whatever. Like, it's cool. For it's me, good. it just.
1: God is using it for them. Exactly. I think, too, it's it's one of those pieces and, and forms of ministry that God will meet us where our faith is at. And I think if it's helping people who are. In a certain level of maturity, then that's great. Um, I, as long as it doesn't enable them into a lesser level of, ma- of maturity or um, kind of entrap their minds as to how they view the gospels and seeing Jesus, as long as it, it stays in the realm of this is helpful, entertaining, um, and showing Jesus in a way they needed to see him, that's great. Um, and then what we have issue with any film, which would be, does this become the lens through which we view scripture and through which we view Jesus?
0: All of those reasons that you said are the reasons why I wouldn't watch The Chosen. Mm-hmm. That's You're not correlating. I mean, you're, you're, is Jesus as a narrative? Sure. Okay. That's Dallas Jenkins' biggest argument. This is my version of Jesus. Well, I don't want your version of Jesus? I want the truth. I want like depict what like, again, we're not comparing apples to oranges with the passion and the chosen, but like Mel and his team was not like, oh man, what would I love for Jesus to say at this moment? Like they were trying to go. I mean, you know, one of my favorite movies of all times is the axe movie, mm-hmm. because like they're literally just acting out. <laughs> scripture line by line i don't need you to embellish anything uh, because this is where you start once you start including your own narrative is when you start delving into the little a little bit too much of the humanistic version of jesus the jesus that's tolerable the jesus that's easy to swallow and um it's hard to not correlate that with your scripture because some people who have no knowledge, some people who not, are not mature, there's no maturity rating or maturity warning when you watch the show to say, oh, this is only a narrative. Um, This didn't really happen in the Bible. We just imagined it as if it did. Mm-hmm. There's no viewer discretion for that. And so people watch it and they take it as Bible. And the chosen is not a replacement for you reading your scripture
1: hmm And I think too, um, it's not a you, I think it could be fine for people to to watch it and, and read scripture. Um my issue is when it it sinks into a level of the heart, mind, and soul where it becomes an interpretation of scripture that they always read into when they read scripture. And it will prevent them if they're not mature, it will prevent them from discerning for themselves and hearing the Holy Spirit and what he's using the scripture for, for them. Um, and I think that actually that danger can happen in a lot of other ways. For example, hearing bad preaching, bad Mm -hmm. doctrine, and, um, any kind of teaching that leads to a codependence on leadership with reading scripture. I mean, this type of thing can happen just as easily with someone who has a study Bible and they've become too reliant on the notes in the Bible. Um, But I think film has a way more powerful mind-heart connection, and that's why we have to be so careful. You know, there's – though John MacArthur's study Bibles have done a lot of damage to the body of Christ – there is limitation with his notes and he's not quite as charismatic as uh, the actors and the storylines in The Chosen. And so it is a far more intrinsic connection the viewer and reader is making with the show through scripture than they would with bad notes in their study Bible. (laughs) I, um...
0: (laughs) bad notes in your study bible um yeah I don't know it's just that's just my critique of the show I I think I had watched I watched season one I think during COVID so it's not like I'm completely like abstinent from having watched the show and I don't know what's going on it's just that post season one which, which I think was very genuine and very pure um and they did not like they weren't coloring outside the lines too much to which like ooh well that's the thing about being a creative um even when you color outside the lines as a creative um because creatives I know they don't like to be put into a box, but <clears throat> boundaries are not always um boundaries are not always dangerous um, and sometimes boundaries is love (laughs) it sucks but like a good parent puts boundaries on their kid god put boundaries in the in the garden like boundaries is not like you know coloring outside the lines like i'm not telling you to get back in the box as a creative i would hate that also however we have things that confine us so that our structure actually can empower us to produce something that's good and um anyway just with the chosen I think I, I I don't even think I actually liked the way I felt when I watched like the first episode of season two. And mm-hmm. I was like, I um I'm not gonna get too far into this. And um so I kind of just like left it at that. Um so the chosen is not for me. Um if you watch it I don't really care but you're not gonna convince me. Um and I don't Personally, okay, don't hear what I'm not saying, but personally, I don't see it as an evangelistic tool because when I evangelize, I'm not trying to present a Jesus that's easy to swallow. I want to present you the real Jesus so that when you do encounter him and you encounter more truth, you're not offended by the lie I told you in the beginning. Mm -hmm. So if I'm ministering to an LGBT and I'm like, well, God loves you the way you are, like, that's a half truth. Mm -hmm. And but people love to minister and evangelize with that line, but then they step into church and then they start hearing pe- uh, they start hearing preachers say like, "Well, this is why the Lord condones homosexuality because blah blah,", blah. and then that gay person sitting in church, oh, I thought God loved me the way I was. Mm-hmm. Why are you? What do you mean homosexuality is now okay? This person who led me to Christ told me that God loves me the way I am, and so I just I'm not a fan of. I'm sorry, I'm highly skeptic and very critical of um the presentation through mm-hmm. evangelism. And media is a beautiful way to evangelize. But um we didn't have to we don't have to conform to society and culture just to preach truth.
1: I think too, just um touching on what you were saying about God loves you the way you are. I think um firstly as people who the two of us are obviously quite dedicated Christians. Um, but I would say, I would go so far as say, while God loves you, God loves me and God loves um, every one of his kids. I don't think he loves any of us the way we are as in the sense of like, mm-hmm. I don't have to change. Mm-hmm. I think um, our reality as people who pursue Jesus is that we are constantly changing and growing. So the way we are is actually process and not a place. And so anybody who wants to stay in a place, regardless of where that is, God, anybody who knows anything about God or the way he works with people is he never asks people to stay where they're at, whether it's Abraham or David or um, even like failed, uh, failed people who, did stay where they were at and did not grow and change like Saul. God is always asking us to keep moving forward in our pursuit of him and in our own development in maturity. And um, that is something that will always be moving if you are actually in relationship and desiring to be obedient to Jesus. So God loving any person the way they are with the intent of, I don't have to change anything about me. is just not a reality for any Christian. God loves you the way you are going. If mm-hmm. you're moving towards him mm-hmm. um, and he loves your progress, but I, I don't think that we can ever say or enable anybody to believe God loves you the way that you are because that is to say that who you are is a fixed point and there is no fixed point to someone who's made in the image of God because there is no end to God. And therefore there is no end to the journey that you have with God.
0: All oh, excellent points. Yeah. Super excellent. Um, Romans 8, 29 talks about the process you're talking about. Is gradual, um, and he whom he foreknew, he predestined, whom he predestined, yada yada yada. The very end of that, Romans eight, twenty-nine, it says that um to be conformed into the image of Christ. And so that's the gradual process that he's doing in you by grace alone, by faith alone. In Christ alone, like he's doing that in you. Also Romans 12, 2, that word being transformed, being renewed. <laughs> that word transformed is um, the same as a Greek word. That Greek word meaning metamorphosis. And mm-hmm. so if you think of caterpillar, cocoon, butterfly, transformation is a process. Um, God loves you for you, as you, because he created you. But in order to accept you, <laughs> he accepts you by Christ in you. Sure, God loves you. this That's where it's a half-truth. God loves you. Of course, God loves you. He created you. You're his. You belong to him. But now, in order for you to be his, that oneness with Christ, got to have Jesus He's the best part of you. He's what makes you look good. Mm-hmm. And so um, I don't appreciate that half true. But anyway, we digress. I just, I, uh, it makes me, it triggers me. Let's just say that. I get a little triggered by that. Um, but anyway, I end that with saying that the chosen, like let it do what it, what it has to do. And it's ministering to the people's ministering. But I just wouldn't stop there, and I even would just be so much to say that like I would love for Dallas to just feel challenged to like, why don't you just put the Bible on display for what it is? It's already beautiful. It's the best script that's ever been written. Just follow it. That's why. Again, I love the Axe movie because there is no script. They move their mouths and they move their hands. There was nothing like you know what I mean. It was beautiful. And so, um, this humanistic, this is where we're getting into issues with culture because this humanistic hippie Jesus that they're presenting is the one that's easier to swallow. That doesn't cause for a transformation in your life because I get to stay the way I am. Mm -hmm. (sighs) So good. Anywho, (laughs) I came across, um, I came across a very, uh, I think it was on TikTok, actually. I saw this excerpt from a podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, Sean Ryan, who also, I think he was either, yeah, he was an ex-Navy SEAL. But anyway, I'm going to speed through this. His wife gave him a book. He wasn't walking with the Lord. He was a very angry man. Their marriage was a strain, the whole thing. And his wife gives him a book. The book title, The Case for Christ, written by Lee Strobel. And Sean Ryan tells a story of his coming to Jesus moment, his testimony and how he came to Christ was actually through that book as he reads it, which if you know, Lee Strobel's story, he was an atheist who went on a venture, went on an exversion extro- to disprove Christ. And um, in disproving him, he actually proved his existence fell radically in love with God. And now it is apologetics is now his language. He speaks apologetics. So he writes these beautiful scientific studies of the case for Christ, the case for the crucifixion. If you want to read about like the scientific medical breakdown of the crucifixion, and how is it that Jesus could have had a crown of thorns? And, um, what do you mean? Like his heart ruptured, like all these things, like breakdown break down a science, like just read through, um, if the, um if the passion of the Christ had ministered to you visual visually, you can let the case for the crucifixion minister to you like uh cognitively where you can go, okay, let me read this and you can break it all down. Those are for the intellectuals. Um, let the, leave the visuals to the artists, but to the intellectuals, read the book. So I don't have to.
1: Yeah, for those who um, don't know, um, me, as somebody who's only seen the film, would love to tell you <laughs> that um, that Lee was a journalist, um, very respected, and um, journalism requires a lot of research. And he was, due to his wife um, becoming a Christian, uh, they had a situation at a restaurant where, was it their daughter? Who or their son? I can't remember who nearly choked to death on some food and son. Son. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a a person in the restaurant who knew the Heimlich maneuver. Only one person, um, and I, I believe it was a woman who was a Christian, and um, I do think she said something about how God had told her to be there that night or something to that effect, and uh, she. I think she was the one that invited Lee's wife to church and um, she really couldn't get over the fact that that was so um, p- so perfect that she had been there that night because otherwise their son would be dead. And so Lee sets out on a mission to disprove faith in Jesus. And I don't know if this is in the book, but in the film his coworker says, well, if you want to disprove all of this, go for the jugular, uh, go disprove the crucifixion that either that Jesus died at all or was raised from the dead. And so he sets off to prove that either Christ did not actually die or, uh, that he never rose from the dead and could not prove that because all of the historical, evidence uh it's highly venerated that jesus was a man he lived on earth was human died and was resurrected and so um i, I think another uh story to pair with this one would be if anyone knows uh, sir william ramsey who was a scientist i believe in the 18 or 1900s and he Wanted to investigate the uh, the factual backing of the Gospels, and so he looked into verifying the scriptures and found that Luke's writings. So Luke wrote the book of Luke and Acts. Uh, he found that the writings that. Luke did were the most accurate um, that any historian could have done on this. Um, That his work was so highly venerated that it convinced Sir William Ramsey to become a Christian himself. Mm. And so we see people who research the validity of scripture and of the historical record of Jesus Time and time again, if you actually do your research and you dive deeply into how history is documented, you will find that it is highly venerated, the the texts and the history on Jesus. And this will convince people who are logically minded, like Lee Strobel, who is um, more of a, was it right or left brain? That's the more logically minded left. one. Left. left. Okay. So – Uh, for people like Lee who are left brained, they are more, uh, drawn to apologetics and drawn to facts that will back up truth. So this type of content is really great for that type of person. Um, as opposed to say a more emotional person, um, who may look more for something that is an experience rather than a factual, um, piece of evidence.
0: So, um, yeah, we do. Um, the idea of people like Ken Ham existing has always been such a, um, it's like a level up for Christians that we have like Ken Ham and, or we had Ken Ham in our lives. Because um, when evolutionists wanted to come and say like, well, you guys believe in a fairy tale because you just believe that magically somebody just spoke into all of existence and creation just came forth and Ken Ham is like, that's exactly what I'm saying. And so we then because of people like Ken Ham and Ravi Zacharias, we then were able to progress as Christians in fields like science where. We finally got to communicate to Christians that like we don't have to be afraid of science because science doesn't disprove God. Now we can use science to prove God's existence. And there's a lot of things that, um, can be and can't be said through science because the huge aspect of Christianity is faith. And so don't ever forget that. But it's always nice to know that science can be, um, supplemented in your faith to legitimize your belief system. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason that I brought up the Lee Strobel book through um, Sean Ryan coming into faith through reading this book, he said he just like read and he's like weeping on the plane because he's just like, wow, God is, he's so real. Um, Another like, public service announcement when it comes to getting your theology off of social media. Um, Especially people who want to go through on TikTok, There are tons of people who will stitch people who like, there are the people who are like ex evangelicals or this person's an atheist, that person's an atheist. And they ask questions of like, you mean to tell me I'm supposed to believe that this, that, you know, thing. And then somebody stitches it, which there are some, I have my favorite people who I love to watch their content just because I love their their content. I don't watch it because I'm just like, Ooh, Ooh, I need him to like prove this person wrong. I need this person to defend Jesus for me. Like we don't, we, we don't really need that. And lately I've been noticing in some of these Christian pages that somebody will say something. Um, Like I saw this, um, this Orthodox, like this, um, orthodox christian does he consider him? yes i was seeing uh, a tiktok from one of these orthodox christians who like was talking about how god is never just uh like one of the fruits of the spirit is not tolerance like he talked about like tolerance is not a fruit like we don't need to be taught because, like, they, you know, a lot of the wokeism and a lot of the leftists and a lot of the progressive Christianity s- swings on it and through tolerance. And he's like talking about tolerance, and like immediately in the comments, like everybody's tagging like their favorite like Christian apologists and their favorite evangelists on on TikTok, and like they're you just start tagging these people because they constantly need to defend this. I need you to debunk this or defend this, and you don't need anyone (laughs) to do that for you on tiktok social media in general but especially tiktok refrain from getting your theology off of there i think it's a a beautiful venue for people that preach the gospel and i love that but people do wild things with their zeal on there Mm -hmm. and so i have a love-hate relationship with the, the fact that people use tiktok to evangelize because i love that we're trying to we're finally trying to be at the forefront of culture but sometimes as we get lost in our passions and our zeal we we get really choogy with it mm-hmm. and a lot of them tend to lose sight of what really is my purpose on here and it's just to display the works of jesus and I know some of you may be thinking like, well, yeah, but some of them are doing a great work, like the apologists. Like I follow a couple of apologists on, on there. And some of you are thinking like, yeah, but they're doing a good job because you never know the one person who could see that video. Can I give you a shortcut? Maybe that I can cut down on the time that you consume on TikTok, or I can cut down on, um, condense all of this into one little reminder is that people who are not of the spirit cannot conceive things of the spirit. And so when you have somebody who's trying to tell you who um, is trying to disprove Christianity because they are just like, well, you mean to tell me that a 14-year-old gave consent to an imaginary being and told them to impregnate her? And I'm supposed to believe you that that's how Jesus came to this earth? It's not for you to believe. It's not for you to perceive because you don't have the way, you don't have the spirit. And so Paul says in 2 Corinthians 2 says, now we have not. Um, sorry, 1 Corinthians 2.12. Now we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit of God. So that we may understand the things of God so freely given to us. These are the things we're talking about when we avoid the manner of speaking that human wisdom would dictate and instead use a manner of speaking taught by the spirit by which we explain things of the spirit to people who have the spirit. Now the natural man does not receive the things from the spirit of God to him. They are nonsense. Moreover, most importantly, Moreover he's unable to grasp them because they are evaluated through the spirit but the person who has the spirit can evaluate everything while no one is in a position to evaluate him for who has known the mind of the, of adonai who will counsel him we because we have the mind of the messiah mm-hmm. and so um that is second corinthians 212. And just to remind you, like, I know you want to go through rabbit holes. You see a video. Somebody disproves this person, that person. They argue in the comments. You're like, oh my gosh, how's this end? Do what I, Is what I believe real? Is this person right? This ex-evangelical who walked away, they must have walked away for a reason because blah, blah, blah. Just remember that people who do not have the Spirit, you cannot give them permission to explain things of the Spirit in your life when they don't have it. We mm-hmm. have a distinct, intimate, exclusive relationship with the Holy Spirit who gives us knowledge and understanding. Mm -hmm. Knowledge is the thing that's in your mouth and in your chewing. Understanding is when you swallow it. Mm -hmm. Then you're like, oh, okay, now I understand. Because where we we get into a lot of issues is with people who have knowledge. That's Mm -hmm. where we get a lot of our doo-doo gospel people who have knowledge of it but the understanding is when you swallow it and then you consume it and now you're digesting it and you're like yum 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 yum, yum, yum. Mm-hmm. so get the understanding but you're not going to get understanding from people who don't know the spirit so stop mm-hmm. letting them stop letting them explain it to you stop letting them disprove it i immediately scroll i'm like oh this person's an atheist da, 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 da. okay i see the caption bye mm-hmm. you don't know god and if you don't know God, you can't explain the things of God. And I'm not going to give you real estate in my mind or in my soul and let you try to disprove something that I have received by faith.
1: Mm-hmm. That's so good. It is so important that the body of Christ in this time mature and actually learn to use their spirit to discern. It is, you know, the earth, the whole world is like made so that your soul and your mind are constantly stimulated. And so it's what we're used to, but it's not how we were designed to live. I think to um, more so the Western world than the Eastern, because I, I think if we were more familiar with Eastern culture, maybe we would have something different to say, because I do think that there are cultures that are more spirit focused. And unfortunately a lot of them are in the wrong spirit, but they're still using their spirit rather than their, their soul and their flesh. And I think too, um, it sad. It seems to me like the strategy of the enemy was to take the Western world, which took the gospel really well, as far as it was evangelized, um, from the Middle East to North Africa and, um, and up into Greece. And then um, as the Roman Empire um, expanded, it expanded through the Roman Empire, which would be Europe and up to the UK. Hmm. And people forget that. Why is all these countries in Northern Europe? Why are they so Christian? Well, where did the Roman Empire go? Where did the roads go? People have to travel the roads that were built for them. Rome built those roads. So Rome was all over Europe and up into the UK. So there you go. If anyone wants to get mad about where Christianity has been historically the strongest. Don't ask me. Go back in time and build some roads if you want them somewhere else. But the Western world took to the gospel really well because of the roads um, and so, how um, strategic is it that the enemy wants the Western world focused on their soul and their flesh because that's the part of the world that actually has the right spirit? And yet, the Eastern world, which didn't have as many roads going out that way, uh, did not have a historical connection to the gospel. And yet, they naturally, the way they live, is more spirit focused. Mm. It seems to me that humanity in general will be more spirit-led. But when Christianity comes into a culture, the enemy's strategy is to focus us on things of the mind and of the soul, the emotions. And we really need to mature past this as people who have a new spirit Um, There are so many people who, without having the new spirit, are able to be led by their spirit more than their soul and their flesh. How much more should we, who have the fullness of God dwelling within us, be able to be led by the Holy Spirit within us? It's actually a lot easier than people want to make it. What makes it so difficult is the distractions that we allow. And that's why the Lord tells us to take every thought captive. And I think if you really pay attention to your thoughts, you will realize how, um, one, the way that our um, world is set up will set us up for distraction. Um, but also the way that our our thoughts will go will set us into kind of uh, cycles of uh looping and inconclusive thoughts. And when you find your thoughts going to places that lead to no point of end and not to truth, we need to take that and say, I can't go on this little thought journey with you anymore. And I have to focus in on where it is landing in truth. Mm. And I think two great books to if to see how, what this practically looks like, written by – written by nuns. Okay. You, you are never going to get me to stop talking about nuns. Nuns are better than us. And I'm just going to stop right there. Um, as far as the encomiums go, but there are two writers in the church who have addressed this Teresa of Avila with the interior castle. And of course my personal favorite, the book that changed my life. If you don't get this book, you might die. Experiencing there the Depths of Jesus Christ by Madame Jean Guyon. There it is. Um, she's always nearby. Um, and whenever people have asked to borrow this book, I say absolutely not because I use it that much. It's like, yeah. a, like a devotional for me. Mm-hmm. This book and Interior Castle talk about the distractions on the exterior of your soul. And both writers uh, encourage you to let those distractions go. And to focus in to a place of peace and rest in the soul. And while that can be hard, all developing of new habits is hard. So do not make the assumption that it is natural for us to be led of the mind and of the right. emotion and of the intellect. It's not. It's just habit. And habits can be broken, especially if you have the Holy yeah. Spirit. So with time, effort, and and definitely with jesus who you can do all things through you can absolutely break the pattern of thought cycles that keep you in your soul and your intellect and things of this world and into your spirit and i think the thing i I really want to kind of land here at is your soul your emotions your mind will be drawn towards information information which um sort of like you were saying, is knowledge. It's the um, what happened and the where and the who and the what. Your spirit will be drawn to revelation. Yes. Revelation, which is things that you have not heard before many times, things that bring change, conviction, uh, an epiphany moment, and that would go. From your head to your heart. That's where understanding is. It, understanding is, is in, in another way to say this, it is agreement between your spirit, your soul, and your body. When you have an understanding of something, your spirit, which is perfect in Christ and knows uh, everything that the Lord wants you to know, is in agreement with your soul. Your soul hears what the spirit is saying and believes it. And then it comes out of you when you say it. So information is just in, in your mind and your flesh, but understanding is agreement between the three parts of you spirit, soul, and body in total unison about what they believe and how they want to live.
0: Man, that should have been an episode of itself. So, in summary, religion is a miracle drug. Go see Sound of Freedom. Joe Biden is a bad dad. And let Christ enrich you, spirit, soul, and body. Mm -hmm. On to our next segment. So we're going to get into Word of the Day.
1: All right. Ooh. I have my four, if necessary, survivals bibles at my feet. Another one him. on my side. Let's do this.
0: Hey, guys. Due to the length of the show, we had to put the Word of the Day segment under our Word of the Day playlist. So check it out at your earliest convenience. But it's a really good segment. Jamie completely filleted out. This scripture in Hebrews amazingly. So go check it out.
1: Okay, love you. Back to the show. Thank you. Great. Now I can close it. all my Bible. Well, not all my Bibles, but just all the Bibles I pulled from this.
0: <laughs> I'm screaming.
1: Yeah, it's it was good
0: um that you dissected that and that you use multiple scriptures to dissect it because I'm telling you, people out here are crazy and they're never satisfied. So I think you touched all, you touched all denominations with your selection of, with your selection of scripture. Thank Um, you. The only thing I I was going to add was uh, that first Corinthians one, that the idea that Paul says to you that all of this in which I'm doing is so that you would have in you every spiritual gift that is needed. Um, the belief that we're not lacking anything. Um, Why am I umming? I don't need to um. I know what I'm going to say. 1 Corinthians 1, 4. Reading from the CJB, the complete Jewish. I thank God always for you because of God's love and kindness given to you through the Messiah. In that, you've been enriched by him. That fullness of faith. Enriched by him in so many ways, particularly in power of speech and in your depth of knowledge. Indeed, the testimony about the Messiah has become firmly established in you. So that, okay, so the testimony about the Messiah has become firmly established in you. Why? So that you're not lacking any spiritual gift, and so that you are eagerly awaiting the revealing of our Lord Yeshua the Messiah. Um, so that you're not lacking in any spiritual gift, um, the fullness of faith arising, the idea that by faith um, we get to receive. Even in that moment, guys, if you could even grasp the concept that our salvation is by faith, the very idea that we're saved is by faith to receive that. Can you prove that you're saved? That alone, step one is you stepping into faith. And so, um, hence why you get to be happy that you're saved. How do you know that you're saved? Oh, by faith alone sola fati as mr luther has so beautifully laid out for us in the five solos by faith alone and so you're not lacking this this perfect this telias so that you would not lack in any spiritual gift that is good news mm-hmm. all of that is good news and so may you be encouraged in that to know that um i mean i think people are even going to have to re-listen to to the word of the day because there were there needed to be notes taken and so um oh that was good i i tried to move on and the spirit was like hold on by faith all right on to Our next segment, which is get it together. Well, get it together, friends and fam, if you remember since it's been so long since we've done the classics, but get it together is our segment is our healthy rant segment. And in case you have been thinking, was this whole thing a rant? Was this a two hour rant? And to that I say to you, you have seen nothing yet, but get it together is our healthy rant session in which we get to, by the power of our very own words, call something back to alignment with the kingdom. By telling it to get it together. Mm-hmm. And so um, whether it be in our lives, in our church, in our hearts, in our family, we call it out and we say, get it together. Get it together. And so, um, Jamie, would you like me to start? Please. Sure. Um, My get it together is I'm coming after the entire sbc uh-huh sbc yes the southern baptist yeah. oh we come in for you um if you guys remember from our episode i believe from 2 weeks ago may have had the same backdrop and i may have been in some crazy room but um that episode was when we had broke the news of rick warren repenting for his beliefs in women being in ministry and um, for those who have not listened, if you're new to us or if you may have missed that episode or this is your first time hearing the happy and holy podcast, I will uh, briefly recap and maybe skim through his tweet where he publicly apologized. So he says my biggest regret in 53 years in ministry is that I didn't do my own personal exegesis sooner on the four passages The four passages used to restrict women. He says, shame on me. I've wasted those four years of Greek in college and seminary. I'm going to stop right there. Jamie, what do we always say? What do we always say about seminary and college? It's where your faith goes to die. You stop it right now. Those who are filling out those applications, you stop it.
1: Put the pen down. Close the tab. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. When that administration officer calls, just hang up.
0: To uh, I echo Jamie and just you know regretfully decline um, your invitation to cemetery seminary seminary (laughs) you don't have to go to seminary okay back to the tweet i've wasted those four years of greek in college and seminary when i finally did my proper due diligence he put that in air quotes he said laying aside 50 years of bias i was shocked embarrassed so many hermeneutical rules were being violated In those four passages used to restrict women. Never build a doctrine on a single word that is only used once in scripture. There is nothing to compare it to the correlation. Do your own study in ancient Greek and you too will be shocked. Now, aren't you so grateful for us Because that's what we just did in our last segment. And here we are breaking stuff down for you so that you don't
1: fall into this pit for 53 years. And we did it for free. For free. Seminary will charge you to take your faith. We gave you a Greek lesson for free. They will take it, kill it, and hang it out to dry. So you should probably buy some merch from us.
0: (laughs) I mean, buying merch from us versus going to seminary would save you a lot of money.
1: Mm-hmm. A lot of money. You'll learn just as many Greek words and you'll have a cool shirt.
0: Cool shirt. And? You'll be a lot happier. Um, Let me see if there's anything else in here. I mean, okay, so let me just skip down to the bottom. He says, "I do want I do want to say this. I publicly apologize to every good woman in my life, church, and ministry that I failed to speak up for in my years of ignorance. What grieves me is that I hindered them in obeying the Great Commission. Everyone is to teach in the church. I held them back from using their spiritual gifts and their leadership skills that the Holy Spirit has sovereignly placed in them, meaning women. That breaks my heart, and I'm truly repentant. Sorry for my sin. I wish I could do it all over again. And so, dear Christian women, will you please forgive me? And so, if you want to hear some of the responses, please go back to our episode where we were covering that. Um, <laughs> some, I mean, these, these, these posts are still building. He may actually have deleted some because they were getting pretty nasty, which is what you will find in legalistic communities. Um. So my get it together because the people who came for him, Jamie, were the SBC. I mean, they were publicly like denouncing him, and this man has been riding with them for how many years? And for once, now someone can say, "Call Beth Moore." If she's ever been useful, it's now.
1: Honestly, it's like before. I just liked occasionally seeing her on Twitter. But now I actually want her to speak for more than 140 characters.
0: (laughs) We don't want it. And so, um, SBC, I don't need to remind you of this because I'm sure you guys read your own Bible. But I will say this. I was reading the other day. um, Actually, no, I was in church. and. I'm just not somebody who focuses well, so forgive me. But in church, I had come across a verse while the preacher man was um, using one of Jesus's healing miracles as a sermon point. I um, had noticed, I completely got lost in his sermon because I don't even know where he was going with this. But one thing, as he was preaching in Luke 8 and talking about the woman with the issue of bleeding and in Jairus's daughter, I also noticed that he didn't start at Luke 8.1, which is a very interesting passage. Would you like to hear it, Jamie? I definitely
1: would. All right. Let's see. Mm -mm
0: -mm. All right. let's, Let's read it from the Passion, because I want to, okay? I want to read from the Passion. I want to hear it.
1: In case somebody says something i don't want to hear it <laughs> see how the email is not on the screen right now if you have a comment on this part i don't want to hear it i'm not
0: <laughs> as i'm not as forgiving as jamie i will come for you
1: i mean i didn't say what i would do with the email it's gonna go straight <laughs> to the trash but
0: straight to the trash you, you're you
1: free done. to write it
0: straight to jail. um soon after this is luke 8 1 soon after jesus began began a ministry tour throughout the country visiting cities and villages to announce the wonderful news of God's kingdom. His 12 disciples traveled with him, as did a number of women who who had been healed of many illnesses and set free from demonic power. One of the women was Mary, who was from the village of Magdala, and from whom Jesus had cast out seven demons. Among the women were Susanna and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, who managed King Herod's household. Many other women supported Jesus's ministry from their own personal finances, also traveled with him. Now some of you guys are going, wait, wait, what did you just read? I know. Let me read it again in the NLT. Soon after Jesus began a tour of the nearby town and villages, preaching and announcing the good news of the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him. And along with his 12 disciples were some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene from whom he cast out seven demons. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's business manager, Susanna, and many other women who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. So, of course, Preacher Man's on a stage, and I'm like,
1: wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. So he's... So it's like, apparently it's okay for women to bankroll the church, but not okay to like say nothing.
0: Right. So as we see for a millennia, it has been okay for the church to take money from women, but not empower or hire them to be pastors, leaders, but it's our money's okay, but our voice is not. As far as the SBC is concerned. And so um, I was remembering years ago, I want to say, I mean, not, not that far ahead. It was maybe three years ago. I was meditating, which was all you could do three years ago because we were locked it down because of the vid.
1: That's when I learned Greek.
0: and And now we are reaping the fruit <laughs> of you learning Greek and now we are so grateful so the idea of not forgetting um how easily the body of Christ has forgotten that women were at so many pivotal points of the bible that had led us to the point where we are very like right now a lot of the pivotal points that included women in scripture brought us to this point right now to be to living in the finished work To having freedom in Christ, through Christ, by Christ, have led us to have direct access to God, that have led us to know God. Women were at a lot of those pivotal points in the Bible. JL. Tent peg. Right through the skull. Okay. That's why a lot of girls like to name their daughter JL because she's like, oh, she's going to be a warrior woman. JL Rahab, Mm -hmm. y'all want to call her what you call her, but she's in the genealogy of Christ. Mm -hmm. And she was the one who handled the spies Mm -hmm. and also made way for the biblical heroes that everybody's always like, oh, let's focus on these guys. But then you forgot that Rahab is the reason why they survived. Mm -hmm. It
1: was a surviving family in Jericho. Thank you Rahab,
0: the only surviving family in Jericho. Jamie, I also want to r- remind the SBC that it was a woman, a prostitute that Jesus used to teach men how to worship. As she's pouring out her oil and she's wiping wiping his feet with her hair and just crying. The men are like kind of like they were made uncomfortable, right? So instead of humbling yourself and maybe going, dang, what am I missing? That this is how she's worshiping him. Maybe I should. No, no. Instead, they judge. You're making me insecure. Although that's not what they said in the Bible. But we know that's what they really said that night. You're making me insecure. Get up. Stop washing his feet because you're making me uncomfortable. Because I should have been doing that. But no, Jesus used a prostitute to teach men how to worship. Mm-hmm. Need I remind SBC that it was through the birth canal of a woman that our Savior has come.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Not only that, but Jesus was not only born through Mary and then was like, "All right, peace. Thanks. And then walked away as a infant was with his umbilical cord. But God allowed Mary to nurture Christ. She breastfed him. She took care of him. She picked them up when he was crying. It was a woman who carried, who physically carried the word of God, the son of man, the son of God. The word become flesh. Mary carried that, even when he was a sassy twelve year old. Joseph and Mary dealt with that, but it was God entrusted Mary with Jesus. Even the angels were like, "You are favored, girl." <laughs> like coming to her and reminding her of who she was, but God entrusted a woman. The first woman to preach the gospel. The woman at the well. Botina. She preached the gospel. Oh, but how do you have the gospel? Because Jesus didn't die. What's the revelation of the gospel? Christ has come. Jesus is Lord. He is the Messiah. That's the gospel. First person to preach the resurrection. A woman, Mary, how does she preach the resurrection? I don't understand. What did she tell her brothers, Peter and John? I have seen the Lord. It's the resurrection. And of course, let's not forget that the personification of the church is a bride. Which I know what today's culture is trying to tell you, but can only be a woman. And so (laughs) we may need to have several seats, SBC. Whoever is at the top of your Southern Baptist leadership, whatever that is, maybe I can research it. Maybe I don't care. I would first like to say, check on his wife. Do a wellness check. I would go to her house and blink twice if you need help. (laughs) Because there is no way that a man who leads the entire community of Southern Baptists has any kindness towards his wife, any love towards his wife. You are scorned. You probably got your heart broken in college and that's what led to this whole uh, belief system of being anti-woman. And so now as you sit here, I don't think the SBC really wants to be the community that is parallel to culture that has been trying to diminish women for the past. I mean, it's been crazy for the past two, three years. Like, of course, like it's been a gradual progress of like, how do we keep trying to be little women? Right which is why feminism had to come because of the toxic masculinity that was being displayed and feminism. Like that's the byproduct, was feminism. Then they got mad at feminism. (laughs) So they said, well, we'll make it harder for a woman to get a job. We'll make it harder for her to get paid. well. Well, we'll make her work twice as hard so that she can make maybe a third of what the highest paying man is. Right now, the war on femininity is at stake because a lot of what the trans community has been fighting for is the right for a man to be a woman. Very rarely do you hear the fight be for um, a woman to be a man. No one cares. You know why they don't care that a woman's trying to become a man? Because they don't care about women. Mm -hmm. They, They care about cosplaying women which is the, the definition of misogyny where the men are stepping into women's areas and going, you women don't matter. Let me teach you how to be a woman. I will be a better woman than you. And so now society is saying, again, we're belittling women. We are just as bad as the Middle East where women are trying to be degraded to being a second-class citizen. We are now second-class citizens. Why? I don't feel like a second-class citizen. Well, as long as you keep letting a man represent you, Tampax, um, and- be an endorsement in Sephora, like we will continue to be second-class citizens who do not have a choice or say. We will continue to let men, men explain even how to be a woman to us. Why would the SBC want to look like the world? Right now they're doing a pretty good job of being just like the world and making women second-class citizens in a church. And so I probably SBC would restructure. I mean, if a man was willing to humble himself 53 years of study and do his own exegetical study using hermeneutics and Simply coming across some scriptures, we can pull out a few, sure. But simply coming across some scriptures that had empowered women, and not only just scripture, but implications. The very way that Jesus was acting, the very way that Jesus was kind and empowering (laughs) towards women. I would ask the SBC to restructure um their core doctrine as to what they believe and how they believe women should function in a church. I think it's very antichrist like um, how some members of the church, some denominations of the church, want to belittle and degrade women and make them the second class citizens. Uh, most of your demographic far outweighs um as far as gender when it comes to most religious groups whether it be youth group young adults in most common places sometimes it'll be more boys than girls that's not very common but it does happen but yet the girls keep coming but yet the women are still there very much like at the feet of the cross the foot of the cross women were there in numbers Mm -hmm. Women were there at the foot of the cross. Where were the men?
1: Hiding. (laughs) They were being cowards. You know what I I just realized is when I said cowards, I almost said pussies. And I was like, that's not accurate because the pussies were there. They were. The cowards weren't. They weren't.
0: And the so, irony is that for the men to run because they were scared, but the women to stay there, the soldiers probably would have felt more justified killing women than they did the men. Probably because what is a woman just, you know, yeah, I'll just kill her or whatever. No, no big mm-hmm. deal. I mean, that's the worst case scenario is that they're murdered. They could have taken advantage of the women and other stuff, but I'm just saying for them to stay at the foot of the cross, there was a lot more at stake for a woman to stay there. Sure, the men are like, crap, I didn't want to be the one seen with Christ. So were the women.
1: I think too, this brings up an interesting point, how many cultures have had hatred towards women. And just seeing that that is um, evidence that they are under the curse. And if anyone remembers the original curse uh, placed on mankind after the fall, which is all, by the way, completely... Um, absorbed in the body of Jesus because curse is anyone who hangs on a tree. That's Galatians 3.13. But the original curse that we no longer live under, but a lot of the world doesn't really realize they're under is that um, there is enmity between women and the serpent, which would be the devil. And that's why you see women who are very passionate about going to um, being in a, a church and spiritual warfare Fighting a good fight against the enemy, they're really that's passionate the, about that. That's the reason why
0: a majority of the intercessor groups are women.
1: Yes, and that part of the curse that that was a curse that was on the enemy that was not lifted in Christ. So that curse still stands whether you are a Christian or not. But there's enmity between um, the woman and um, and the serpent, and then enmity between the man and the the woman. And so when you see that there is hatred um, that is really deep and unwarranted in uh, both men and women, sometimes towards women, it is because they are under the curse. There is no reason for a Christian to be under that curse unless they have an unrenewed mind and bad doctrine that is speaking against um, God's design and intention for women. So if you don't understand the heart of God for women, you will have an unrenewed mind and you will act like and believe like you're still under the curse when you are in fact freed from it. And the truth is what will set you free. So if you do find yourself um, and you consider yourself a Christian, you consider yourself in Christ um, and following Jesus, and you feel that there is a disconnect between your understanding of The Heart of God and Intention of God for Women. I encourage you to get into some good literature and some good truth about women in ministry. Um, And I have a a few in the back of my mind that I can't actually remember right now, but we can absolutely put those resources uh, available within the descriptions of the podcast and video. And um, I I really just um, encourage you to not live under the curse the way the rest of the world is and renew your mind. But the rest of the world is in fact under the curse. If they are not in Christ, they're under the curse and they will have that enmity towards women. And what you're seeing in culture now is in unchurched America um, and also other countries as well, where men have this hatred towards women that leads them to want to show women how it's done and then become women themselves is evidence that they, in fact, are under the curse. So, um, Winnie, I don't know if you had any resources that you would recommend for people to get good content about women in ministry and the heart and intention of God for women. Actually, I just remembered, um, oh. This is the only one
0: that matters. Book. My book is there's, in the garage, there's unfortunately. A two p- there's a two-part to this. Um, I think, um, so I, this is the second part that I'm lifting up truth that set women free by my man, Lee Grady. This is part two of his book. The first book is 10 lies. The church tells women, and he did not write this book and just become a bestseller overnight. He actually, they tried to cancel him before canceling was a thing. Because he wrote this book and the continuation. But this book itself will, um, as far as women go, you should definitely read it if you're a woman. Um, If you are a man who um, may have been raised in a belief system that women are second class citizens in a church, you should be seen and not heard. You should cover up your head. You should stop wearing crop tops, whatever you were raised in believing, um, you know, women who are divorced and this any other thing. Read this book, this book, this book. The truth that set women free. And then, like I said, part one is the ten lies that they tell women in the church. Um, and so just highlighting this because it's easy. It's easy to pick up if you anyway be in the church long enough and you will easily pick up that the bible is often interpreted through the lens of people's prejudice then through the holy spirit and because of that and this is what rich this is what rick warren's talking about where for 43 years that was what he lived with he's like hand me down nonsense i was told i was told i was told i was told and then i studied this and he goes wait a minute there's only four scriptures in the bible that try to excommunicate women those four scriptures through prejudice had been indoctrinated into the southern baptist community and so um when you misinterpret when you mistranslate verses in the bible so that you can uphold your own prejudices um out of ignorance (laughs) and maybe your own bondage. You know, sometimes they tell women don't wear a V neck in church. Why? Because you're showing too much. I'm showing too much or you can't stop help, but look at my boobs. You just look at my boobs. It doesn't matter what I was wearing. You would just, you're going to stare at my chest, but because you can't control yourself, I shouldn't wear a V neck. So, um, through your ignorance and your own bondage of your religious mindsets, um, we we tell women that you're disqualified. Why? Because you were born a girl. And so um, you have helped perpetuate the um, distorted culture that we have right now that has not been seeing women justly for years. But now, like I said, this past three years have intensified so much to where... Now I'm like, is it the church or is it the is it the world? Like, is it the chicken or the egg? Like who started mistreating women and who who copied off of who? Cause in neither places are women safe. Now I will say, being the age that I am, I am grateful to we did not we were not grown-ups. I want to say in the nineties, like we weren't grown-ups in the nineties. Like I'm grateful to be living now where A lot of people have repented from that theology and we are under amazing leaders that empower and believe women and encourage women and equip women. Um, We're under that type of leadership and they're not our leaders. Our spiritual parents are not the only people who do that. There's a lot more. um, There's a lot more out there now for women than there used to be. We didn't grow up with that, but I'm grateful to be living in these days and not the days past because I can't imagine what it would look like. But all I have to say is that SBC, you need to get it together. The fact that you're willing to cancel one of your very own because he, through the Holy spirit was able to, um, see the error of his ways, the error of his understanding and repent. Imagine being mad at somebody for repenting. And, uh, SBC, you're going to need to get it together because um, if not, there will be a woman who does your eulogy.
1: All right, Jamie, go ahead. Um, before I dive into my get it together, this is my book recommendation. I don't know if this will Ooh. show up. It's called Women and Worship at Corinth by Lucy Pepiat. Um, this is a doctrinal dissertation um, by um, a, a brilliant theologian on The breakdown of the verses specifically in Corinthians against women speaking and uh, basically kind of boils down to Greek manuscripts didn't have any grammatical annotations as far as commas, periods, quotation marks, marks, etc. And it shows how um, this particular scripture. Is indicative in the way it's written that there are missing quotation marks, and it is actually a Paul is quoting the Corinthians to themselves and then rebuking them. And when you put those quotation marks in the rightful places in the scripture, the whole scripture makes way more sense. Mm -hmm. And so, um, there are many scholars that agree with this point that she is making. um, And so, I definitely encourage those of you who would like to know more about Greek manuscripts and and the ways of interpreting scripture, especially that particular scripture, because it even cites the law um, in in referring to Judaism, but the people who quoted the law were Greek and were not familiar with the law. And so they actually made up something and then Paul had to rebuke them for speaking saying something and attributing it to the law when it is in fact not even in Jewish scripture. So um, if you're more of a theologian type men or women, I would definitely recommend reading that book. It is such a brilliant way to break down for the scholarly ones who want to defend their ideas. This is the truth of what is being said in a very uh, scholarly way approach. So my get it together is far less um, insightful and um, pivotal as yours. Um, I just have like a minor annoyance right now that I need to bring up. And that is um, that every single time I go on TikTok, another sped up version of a Taylor Swift song shows up and gets stuck in my head. And I was noticing this morning as I woke up that today and yesterday, cruel summer, the sped up version has been stuck in my head. And that song is from like, what, like four, three or four albums ago. Um, I didn't even like that album. It was like, not that I've listened to the whole album or even extensively dived into it at all. I didn't even know the song. I've heard like two songs in passing from that album, and I was like, "Wow, this is <laughs> not your best work." Uh, because I'll I'll give it to 1989 as like that's actually a well written, solid album, and um and even a lot of fearless as well. And I I don't like that it's catchy and that I like I resent that I'm like singing along and I'm like this is actually very well written. But of course, if I wrote music with Jack Antonoff, I'd have a hit album too. Uh, that man is a genius. Right. Um, So I, I, I'm not sure I can even attribute all of this to Taylor, but what I would say is, um, I don't like how the game is rigged, how, uh, basically if you have a Taylor Swift song and it exists, it's going to blow up just because it's Taylor Swift and, um, and it's clearly rigged for her, um. I've been a beneficiary of that rigging and and jumping on the <laughs> trend. I'm not above it. I still use it. I'm still going to do it. But I'm just saying it's annoying that it's always her um, and it's always sped up and it's always getting stuck in my head. It's just really annoying. And right. I think we've got a a bigger problem here, which is that we are actually being starved of good art, Ugh. and I think that's why a bigger problem. as a culture, we've become in a lot of ways very gullible and unintelligent, and it's because pop culture has condescended to us um more and more into recent years, but especially with music, and as we are yes. cut off from means of hearing um, artists who are writing intelligent music and um, not necessarily going with the the trends of where whoever wants us to go, those artists that, that were became artists because they thought for themselves and they did things differently that we used to be able to hear. Um, and you can see that um, through the 80s, through the 90s, and even a bit um, into – Up until like the the 2010s, even, but now it it just feels like it's harder and harder to find new artists who are creating great and interesting work that is not condescending to the attention span and intelligent level intelligence level that the world wants us to believe we are all at. Mm. So. I think condescension in art is very, very serious because it it keeps people in a state of infancy of mind and also of being easily controlled both by pop culture media and then, of course, by the political system. Mm. And so when we speed up songs and when we dumb them down and when we make them to be perfect for a 30 to 90 second clip, we lose the the patience to let a story develop in a song, um, to follow that story and to explore um, more intrinsic and intelligent wordings of describing the story that the storyteller is trying to communicate. So this is kind of a, a get it together on a, a multiple counts on um, this, this system being rigged to force Taylor Swift upon me. Although at least it's not Imagine Dragons because I hate Imagine Dragons oh, more than anyone that has ever walked the face of the earth, and that's a separate oh, conversation. <laughs> but it's it's these it's a sped up it's a TikTok it's being forced in my face, and then on top of all of that, it's Taylor Swift who I don't like because I don't like bitter people, I don't like bitterness, I don't like unforgiveness, and I don't like it in my music, and I don't like those negative patterns of behavior and immaturity being forced into catchy songs that are getting stuck in my head and even worse affecting the people around me who are not smart enough to not listen. So get (laughs) it together, Taylor, get it together, TikTok, get it together, people who speed up songs, Uh, get it together, people who are actually buying all this crap, and get it together, media in general, and give us better art. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Amen. Yeah. I would say, get it together. Artists, get it together, create music, create, don't let them try to dictate what it looks like to create, get it together, get some cojones and just start creating outside of, um, their rules and structures so that we can have good music again.
1: And create beautiful art that won't perform well. Yeah, please. Yeah. As, as, uh, indicated by what people are drawn to just create great art and however long it takes. Sorry, I'm getting uh, <laughs> called. Um, I hate that that goes to my computer. Um, but create art that is not going to perform well as marked by what is performing well, create yes. great art and let people find it and let it have a slow build, let it, um, find its people and let its people find it. And I think one of the most beautiful descriptions I've ever heard about, um, sh- this was in this case, a TV show that executives didn't know, uh, who would watch it, but, um, the show in question is my so-called life, which was a brilliantly written show by Winnie Holtzman. For those of you that know writers, the only thing I don't like about the show is that Jared Leto is in it. I love Jordan Catalano and I wish that he wasn't played by Jared Leto, but that's a separate conversation. But the executive a- asked, who is this show for? Mm-hmm. And, um, Winnie Holtzman um, I can't remember the exact quote, but it was, it was like, it's for the people who are drawn to it. It's for the people that like this show. It wasn't a demographic. It wasn't teenagers. It wasn't adults. It treated characters in every age range within the show with respect and attention. And so it wasn't necessarily for teenagers and it wasn't for adults. It was for the people it was for it was for the people who liked it, and so I think we need to let art actually just be for people who like it and not try to prepackage it for a certain demographic and make it a marketing art rather than a creation art.
0: Mm. Yeah, that was brilliant. I'm starving for good stuff, man. I've just been listening to old, I've been watching old, I've been, um. Looking for people to break out of conformity. So, yes. Get it together. Get it together. Guys, thanks so much for hanging out with us. Checking out the show. We are the Happy and Holy Podcast. Mm-hmm. We're listed. Listed, guys. If you want to take us on the go, we're listed on all pa- podcast platforms. Wherever your favorite platform Is there we will be some people like Joe Rogan. Hey, we share some space with Joe Rogan on Spotify. Mm -hmm. Give us a listen. Give us a shout out. Give us a comment, like and
1: subscribe. Don't forget to check out the website. Jamie, tell them about the website. You've got to get to this website because I worked so hard to point it in the right direction. So you can find us at happyandholyco.com. That's where you'll find direct connection with us. Um, You will find our recommendations. You will find our merch very soon. You're going to want to keep this in your favorites tab so that you can check in with us. Stay connected.
0: And as always, here we are on YouTube. This is your first time hanging out with us on YouTube. Welcome. We like having you. We love you already. Unbelievable. (laughs) Like, subscribe and share. Until next time remember to be happy and stay, stay holy holy